The Hogs are going to Omaha. Oh, intermission. No, it's halftime. You can actually feel Razorback Stadium shaking underneath our feet right now. You just got to keep living, man. L-I-V-I-N. Arkansas wins the national championship. What I say when it comes to this basketball team is the law. Absolutely and without discussion. I have been trying to get you together with Ty. Strikeouts are boring. Besides that, they're fascists. Throw some ground ball. It's more democratic. This is the Halftime Podcast, presented by Jeff's Clubhouse. This would be the longest month because you got 31 days in July, and then you got another 30 days in August. Uh, put those together, Ty, and what do you get? You get the countdown that you heard just before halftime started today, and on Ty's daily countdown until hog football. There it is. 30 and 31 equals 61 days until the football season begins. And uh, I'm probably probably going to miss on a, a couple of the publications uh, that might get out earlier uh, than, I'd say, the most famous one as of right now. I guess Athlon Sports gets theirs out earliest, uh, what is about a, a month ago or something. And then Phil Steele uh, gets his publication on newsstands. Are there still newsstands in the country? Is this that's, that's still a thing here in the United States? Places I think it's sell papers specifically. Certain really populated cities like New York and maybe Philadelphia and there's D.C., I would think, where there's a lot of foot traffic, there'd be a lot more likely to be newsstands like that. But, Phil, before we go to a moment further, I know that we FaceTime every day and our audience can't see what you're wearing, but I am gawking at your shirt right now, man. You it's like got it? a retro Razorback. It's got yeah. Arkansas spilled out horizontally. I mean, that sucker, or excuse me, not horizontally, vertically. Man, you got to take a picture and show the audience what you're wearing because that, that shirt's dope. I we really appreciate these. that. This was a giveaway from the 2018 uh, Razorback baseball season. Okay. I think, what year was this? It's funny, too, but I'll, I will tweet a photo out so that anybody who's listening with a watch to can know what we're talking about. It almost looks like I'm wearing a whale's tail on the front of this T-shirt, the way that they had it mimicking the button-down on a T-shirt. Yeah. Good luck. You know, trying. It's like getting the, uh, the T-shirt tuxedo going. Is that supposed to be a tie in a pocket square? Is that what the imitation on the shirt is? I don't. Th- I think this was le- legitimately just supposed to be the the button down, and then whatever the logo was. This is this would be as rudimentary of a Razorback logo as there has ever been drawn. Although it's better than the front facing hog right yeah. now, I can tell you. That. I think this was the nineteen fourteen Razorback baseball, not nineteen twelve. That's what it says on the show. And you know how partial I am to retro sports stuff, and especially when it's retro Razorback apparel, I am flocking to it any chance I get. And so I'm just. Once we pop on FaceTime as the show starts, I'm just gawking and looking at your shirt. It's like, I, I got to give me one of those. Usually me making comments about your fashion yeah. choice instead of the other way around. Well, um, I am sporting today. My aunt's an Oklahoma State grad. And for the Masters, because Ricky was uh, doing so well and he's been so close, she sent me a retro, what's, what's the Cowboys name for Oklahoma State? I can't think of it, but he's swinging a golf club. So he, I'm, he could be just be named Dusty, you yeah. know. I think that would work for that for, works. Uh, for Stillwater. Uh, anyway, I mean, yeah, the I think you know this is a limited edition shirt. This was given away one of uh, one thousand. Uh, I forget what game it was, twenty eighteen, but I think Ebbets Field Flannels actually does sell a, a an old jersey. You know, it would cost you a couple hundred dollars. So I don't know if you're ready to pour your money into Fork that. that over, yeah, that's yeah, a little. Yeah, just because you like Hogs uh, memorabilia, I don't, I don't know, I don't know about that. Hey, I've got a few more of these ready to go, so. 
See what I'll wear tomorrow when Whip you do out, your man. last show of the week. Whip them out, man. Yeah, I guess we're going to go and put that out there. So the uh, the old heads, Tommy Kraft and Phil Elson doing the, uh, the the show together on Wednesday. Excited about that. I'll be, John will be down at some beach in Florida. I'll be down in Nashville. So yeah, I'm excited to see how that show goes. Don't don't replace me because it's, it's going to be one of those scenes where you and you and Tommy like doing the sh- show so much together. That you're like, all right. Ty, you can do the morning show with John from now on, and Tommy's going to do the midday show with me. Well, I would just, I would just say because I know you're going to be driving to Nashville on Wednesday. You, you travel with food. You put a cooler in the car. So I know we're stopping. My dad and I we're going to stop to a barbecue place in Memphis, but there will not. I, I probably honestly won't carry any food. I'm just thinking you ought to bring a couple of ice packs because your ears are going to be rather warm on Wednesday. Okay, okay. so just in case it gets a little hot on the uh, side of your head. You'll know where it's coming from, and the one way to cool that down is ice on the ears. Okay. okay? Yeah, ice pick. Cool. That'll be a really fun show on Wednesday, Ty. I think for both for both for both me and Tommy, and for everybody else listening. The show is just going to consist of you making fun of John and I, and Tommy making fun of John and I. The entire the entirety of the show. If I was to listen to the playback of the program on Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Wednesday, or whatever. The probably seventy five percent of the show would just be jokes at our expense, but that's that's good. It's it's good when that happens. We'll just cause. Well, you know, I mean, usually we do get off my lawn on Tuesday. I think I'm going to have to hold off on that and just turn Wednesday's entire show into a get off my lawn. When you get two guys that are over forty years old doing the show, who usually host with guys that are thirty or younger, uh, yeah. So yeah, let's not do get off my lawn tomorrow. Let's okay. be, since we don't have a show, there's no halftime on Thursday. There's no halftime on Friday. We can move a little either FOMO, JOMO, or we still need to do some halftime homework. And that's been two weeks going now. So do I need to watch an episode of Cheers tonight, or are we going to sign something? I'm just disappointed you haven't watched an entire season of Cheers by now. Yeah, that's, man, when's summer in? I got a, I got a whale of a <laughs> whale of a homework assignment ahead of me. Well, you just have you. like 11 full seasons to watch yeah. over the next eight weeks. Teacher. Until the until Razorback football begins, too much homework. To Are you telling me you're not going to be watching other television shows when once college football season begins? I'm pretty locked in for the most part. I, I just because what happens is we I, I spend much more time here at the radio station and I'm I'm listening to more stuff during the week about when college football's on, whether it's college football live, whether it's just different other radio shows. I, I'm trying to pay attention more because that's when you. You can't be your your head can't be up your you know where during college football season, Phil. You got to be locked in. You got to be ready to go. And if you're not, you're going to get called out. So I I try not to start a new TV show during college football season. If Lily Collins was in the television show, you you it wouldn't <laughs> matter if it was the middle of the college football championship game. You you would switch over to that. I'd make an exception. Yeah, that would that's probably the one one person that I would make an exception for. You're correct on that. Well, I heard the morning rush this morning, uh, and you know I brought up Phil Steele. Uh, I think because it, it was almost kind of funny. You know, I know John. You know, has to introduce the guests. You know, who in, who that pays attention to college football doesn't know who Phil Steele is right now. He's been putting this magazine out. I mean, it's not a magazine. It's practically <laughs> it's it's replaced the yellow pages as the thickest book inside the quote unquote newsstands or you know drugstores or. Or Walmart, or whatever it is you get this stuff now, uh, and he's about as thorough as it gets. I know he's got a staff of people working under him, and he's got he's got his name right there on it, and and then goes on and, and is as in depth with every single team in Division One football as any of the national pundits that are out there. 
And then he goes on a, well, it's got to take him at least a month to get onto every radio station that he's going to do an interview with leading into the football season. Because essentially, I mean, you, you, you're not a college football-oriented show or station if you don't have Phil Steele come on at some point before the season starts. And that's what it's all about with Phil Steele. It's about before the season. You know, you, that's, when you're, that's when you're looking at your prognostications. I mean, this is a guy who, who, who put out not just, not just, you know, he put out an entire all-league team for every college football league. The SEC, he's going four teams deep. We complain about sometimes that the SEC, you know, has has an all-star team, first team, second team, third team. They're going to have an honorable mention after that. There's a whole group of people picking it, writers, coaches. This is Phil Steele doing this with it. He goes down to a fourth team. He's got the Razorbacks with seven players selected on the preseason all-SEC, according to him. None of them on the first team, which really isn't very much of a surprise. Uh, Sosa, Aguin, Scooter Harris, Connor Limpert on the second team. Cheyenne O'Grady on the third team, Rakeem Boyd on the fourth team. And then to show you just how much in the weeds he gets, he's even got Arkansas's long snapper, Jordan Silver, picked as the fourth best long snapper in the SEC. That's not just getting in the weeds, that's planting the weeds. And you and I, if we were completely upfront, and we typically are on this program, we can say we didn't know who that was. Like before you just it's mentioned my favorite his player name. on the team, Ty. Come on. Before you just mentioned his name, before I read that stuff about him being on Phil Steele's fourth team. No one knew who that was, and that shows how much in depth and how much he spends time, him and his staff, like projecting who's going to be on his various All-SEC selections. Now, with Phil, Phil does an excellent job of putting out all this stuff. Now, he's not necessarily the most accurate when it comes to predictions. That's been documented over the various years. If you look at where he's had teams and where they've ended up, it's not the most accurate, but in, in terms of the compilation of information that he gives to you and all the stuff that he lays out. It's about as good as it gets, Phil. I mean, that, that it's, it's like an encyclopedia. People refer to it as the college football Bible. Like, there are, there's so much information that is in, in that little, and I say little, the little phone book, as you refer to it as. And it's a, it's a valuable piece of information college football, Arkansas fans, and whatnot should prescribe to every single year. Well, it, it's kind of like the kindling, you know, to the start of the season. It's 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 gathering the little twigs and sticks when you're going out and making your camping fire, you know, just to stoke the flames a little bit to get it going before the flame really starts burning in in August, and and then and then the season starts and you got a full on flame going. Uh, but I mean, he also he also I I was listening to the interview that that uh, that Tommy and John and you conducted with. Uh, Phil Steele this morning, and it it dawned on me as I'm listening to him. You know, he's talking about the quarterback battle, uh, talking about how he likes the situation at running back. Uh, you know that there's a lot of snaps that are want on the on the on the offensive line. You just don't have a lot of experience on that offensive line, not together or even just in starting games and minutes on the field. Uh, and yeah, how exciting it is to see the influx of talented wide receiver. Uh, and, and, and it all comes down, I mean, you know, how many games are you going to win by the end of the year? And this yeah. is the main question that you're going to go into. And he's talking about, well, he's got Arkansas at four and tries to put a positive spin on it by saying, well, that just means you're just two upsets away from a bowl season. 
which is what we're all aiming for at least this year. I mean, two wins last year, of course, you'd like to see that doubled and probably tripled so that you might actually play, you know, in some game in December or January. I know we got about like 15 games uh, in the bowl season played in January. Uh, but when, when you listen to that answer, what are the four wins? They're the non-conference yeah. wins. They are the non-conference wins, of which none of them really seems to be the sort of opponent that Arkansas should lose to, even in their worst year. Of course, you know, you did lose to Port- Colorado State last season. Portland State, Colorado State, San Jose State, and Western Kentucky. Those are the four wins that Phil Steele is picking for Arkansas. This is a national pundit who pays as close of attention to every team in the country as anybody out there. He thinks Arkansas is going 0-8 in the SEC this year. And I don't think he's the only one. So the question that, I mean, Ty posed on our on our poll today, will Arkansas garner any respect whatsoever from the national media? The answer is no. They're going to garner none. Absolutely zero. And I started thinking about that listening to Phil Steele's answer today. He's looking at a team that he thinks is going to repeat in the toughest league in college football with another winless season, but they would still double their win total from last year in that case. And you mentioned this morning when we were texting back and forth about our rundown, what we were going to talk about today, the importance of Game 2 on the road in Oxford, Mississippi, when they take on the Ole Miss Rebels. And it's not often that you can point to Week 2 as being one of the more important games of the college football season, but if you date back just even a couple years, think about how important the TCU games were. In, in the last couple seasons with Arkansas, you go on the road in 2016, get the W there, and then 2017, you had a chance, and we know about Cole Headland's miss and just how they blew that game down the stretch, and TCU was able to leave Fayetteville with a relatively easy win. This Ole Miss-Oxford game is huge. Oh, and, goodness. Oh, Mike, and I I think it's, it's at 6 o'clock, if I remember correctly, when we talked about it a few weeks back, the game time. Is it 6 p.m.? Because yeah, because I remember posting the video of the the Grove girls talking about they don't care who wins, they just they just care about the parties. That's, they just want a late kickoff. Exactly, exactly. Because <laughs> there's no one, there's no fan base in the SEC that parties harder than Ole Miss. But it's it's in it's an important game as it gets, and you're you're thinking to yourself, man, can we two really be the defining moment of the Arkansas season in 2019? And it's hard to see them losing that game and then responding and then coming around. It could happen, I'm not going to say. But think about how much better the outlook on the season would be Oh goodness! if Arkansas was to win in Week 2. It's it's a night and day difference, Phil. Nine day. It's, it'd be instantaneous. I mean, there's, there's such an, uh, there'd be such an effect of ending that winless streak in, in SEC games, which I don't even remember what it goes to, but obviously it goes back to Bielema's last year. Uh, I think it's at least, what is it, like uh, 11 or 12 games right now? It's At least it's not 17, because that's what you were before you got to LSU in 2014. But And you remember what it felt like when they finally ended oh, that streak. Yeah, it was, the, it was the extinguishing of so much pain and suffering that Arkansas fans had felt. And that's the, the storming of the field at that point, Phil, wasn't because of how good of the team that they faced across the field in LSU, but it was the, the sigh of relief, the fact, man, we beat the 17th team ranked in the country, 17 to zero, on a 17-game losing streak that we that Arkansas continuously over and over found ways to lose ball games. Well, so nobody, nobody's viewing LSU, you know, Ole Miss in the same in the same oh, context as that LSU team. But a win would be a win 
especially in the league in the second week of the season, leading into back-to-back winnable non-conference games. So if you beat Ole Miss, which I think is doable, you know, they don't have a Jordan Tamu anymore. They do not have that great receiving core that Torched Arkansas Metcalf, last year. Metcalf, Brown, all this guys, yeah. This is a, it's a winnable game. One of the two winnable games that I see on the, on the schedule, just glancing at it, along with the Missouri game in Little Rock the day after Thanksgiving. But that's the last game of the year. And by then, who knows? If you lost the Ole Miss game and you are slumping against everybody that you're expected to slump against, you're looking at that Missouri game kind of like you did last year, as though, goodness, maybe this team has let go of the so-called rope by that point. Hopefully that's not the case. You beat Ole Miss. Potentially you're 4-0 going into the Texas A&M game. And, and, and even no matter what happens in the next month to month and a half, you're able to point back to the Ole Miss game at least and say, look, there's something that didn't happen last year right then and there. And it, it, it feeds the fan base. It feeds the players a little bit. Maybe it leads to more confidence against better teams, you know, against an A&M or again, on the road against Kentucky. Uh, and if we're talking about the idea of respect amongst the national pundits right now in the preseason, they don't have any reason to give Arkansas any real respect considering that everybody else inside their division, save for Ole Miss, is, is probably going to be ranked in the top 25 and and is getting better via recruiting every single year. And Arkansas is too, but you're going to need another two recruiting classes like this one in order to get where you need to be. And oh, by the way, maybe you got a little piece of that recruiting class coming on with Blaine Toll. Of course, made his announcement during our show on Friday. And we've got Blaine Toll coming on in this hour, the Hazen Hulk, uh, to talk about his uh, decision, which is a great get because this is one of the guys that will be part of, uh, I saw, I think he's supposed to report to campus in January. So I mean, he's going to be part of, uh, you know, he'll be part of the team sooner than most. And from all you read about him and all you see about him, this this is a guy that should be a building block of a potentially a successful team after this next year, in which, in which some team, a lot of people out there, we got to keep a count, Ty. Phil Steele's one of them, and he, you can't put him on the spot. Maybe you could have and say, are you saying this team's going to go zero and eight in the SEC? He Again. does think he does think that. We got to keep a tally. And see who else thinks, because there are going to be, I'm going to put, I'll say there will be at least 10 national pundits that we would pay attention to, that we respect their opinion, that will pick Arkansas to go 0-8 in the SEC again. And this goes back to something else you brought up to me before the program began. It's the hogs against the world mentality. And this isn't just applicable in football, whether it's basketball, people thinking that Arkansas's never get back to the the Nolan Richardson-type era, whether it's baseball after what happened in the College World Series a year ago. There's always the national media members out there that look at Arkansas, put Arkansas in a certain box or whatever, and this this is an ideal example. And we talked about, not last week, but the week before, how it's kind of a good thing that Arkansas doesn't have these high expectations because typically, it was Andy and I that actually had this conversation, typically... Arkansas in the football season performs better when there's not a lot of expectations harped on them, and they don't perform when they have a lot of expectations put on them before the season begins. So that can be a good thing. And the fact that, as you said, there's not going to be any national media members that are going to stake their reputation on this Arkansas team next year. Now, they'll say, as whether it's Saturday Down South, ESPN, whichever publication you really enjoy reading nationally, 
they'll say Arkansas got better, but they're not going to go out on a limb and say Arkansas is going to go to a bowl game. Arkansas is going to take a big step in year two or Chad Morris. You'll just see the progressive word better than last year. But it won't. there won't be anything significant enough behind that where you can hop on a national media guy's train and says, this guy believes in Arkansas. They're going to they're going to tread very lightly under year two of Chad Morrisville until they show until he shows them something. Which, to their credit, I understand because I'm kind of the same way. But until he shows them a big jump or a big step forward, they're going to tread very cautiously, Phil. Well, and I I believe as far as national the national scene is concerned, and I think we get this this sense when we talk with Bill King on Wednesdays. Nothing against Bill, but I, I think as far as he's concerned. Arkansas is an afterthought in football in a lot of people's eyes that pay attention to it. That doesn't mean that's the way they always were. They were not. It was. It has not been always the case. But for the last three years, I think they've been an afterthought in, in everybody's eyes, with the exception of people within the state of Arkansas. Even inside the SEC, Arkansas is an afterthought in football. They are at the forefront of thoughts in baseball. They are. Still in the middle to forefront of thoughts, I think, in basketball, but they're the last team thought about right now in football. And, Phil, before we go to break, as I post in these highlights on our Facebook page and Twitter, I have all these fans tweeting back, man, I miss when Arkansas was stomping on the likes of Mississippi State and Ole Miss. The kind of, the, the, uh, what did you describe? Just describe it as just like the, the step stool, like the, they, the stepchild, the, the teams that were just getting destroyed. And, Arkansas has been passed over by both Mississippi State and Ole Miss, and now they are at the bottom of the pecking order. Not and only, Vanderbilt, too. And Vanderbilt, too. Not only in the SEC West, but you lose to Vanderbilt last year. So that's that's just kind of puts in perspective where you are as a football program, that at one point you were crushing the teams that you thought were beneath you, and now those teams are turning returning the favor and smacking you in the mouth. Hopefully there's a little bit of a mentality change this year because – I don't know about you, but I don't really feel like talking about another two and ten football team this year. Or another zero and eight run for the SEC. Absolutely not. Hoping for better things. Jeff Taylor and his staff over at Jeff's Clubhouse has a fantastic catering service, and they can almost cater up to any size. Give them a call today at 479-308-9123 or check them out on Facebook or visit online at theclubhousefs.com. Now back to the halftime pod. Let's go. Lane, we appreciate you making halftime on ESPN Arkansas. Place to talk about that. What's the weekend been like since your big announcement? Uh, my phone's been blowing up. It's uh, a lot of notifications, congratulating, and just thanking that I'm going up there. It's been pretty good. So your phone's been blowing up, and I can't. Ty and I here, you know, we were paying attention. Uh, we were doing the show on Friday when you were in the Hazen Gym and made your announcement, and we had your Twitter profile pulled up, and we couldn't help but notice you had your personal phone number on your Twitter page, and it was by the end of the day you had removed that phone number. So <laughs> I assume uh, I assume you what, that, that once that announcement came, I mean, you, you had to look there and say, oh, boy, maybe i got to take that phone yeah. number off. Yes, I did. Uh, I was just trying to – I took all my recruiting information out of my bio, uh, well, I had it on there for a coach's text me, so I just took everything out of my bio. Has it been mostly positive uh, things you've gotten from the Arkansas fans, or have there been some you know, upset Oklahoma and Tennessee fans that have uh, also gotten in on uh, on the phone? Uh, there's been a couple of upset uh, OU fans, Tennessee fans, but not many. But there's mostly positive stuff. Talking with Blaine Toll, newest Arkansas commit here on 
halftime. Blaine, you're listed as an athlete by most recruiting services. What position do you most want to play at the next level at Arkansas? Oh, I want to play DN, and that's where they ended up deciding to recruit me at. So. so when you called Mark Smith on Thursday and and told him you were going to go to Arkansas, what was his initial reaction? How excited was he to get your commitment? Uh, he was he was really excited. Uh, we've been talking about it for a while. We just didn't let anybody know. So you, and, uh, go ahead. And uh, yeah, he was just really excited. So have you had you committed to Arkansas for a while and you just kind of kept it under wraps, or was this just kind of a decision you came to last week? That was a decision I came to last week after my visit with Tennessee. So I guess Tennessee did everything they possibly could to try to shake you loose. I'd see, I saw you, you You were quoted as saying, you know, you, you kind of knew you wanted to be a Razorback for a long time, but you fought it a little bit and started looking out of state because of that reason. You know, choosing a college is so difficult for anybody for any reason at all. And, you know, you go back and forth. But what, what, to describe what the, the process was in your mind, you know, growing up thinking, I want to play for Arkansas, then kind of questioning it uh, and eventually settling on that. Uh, well, I always wanted to play for Arkansas, obviously, but OU and Tennessee were all right there. Right, right at the end, it was all, all together. And then Tennessee, they went kind of down because of the distance. But then I went and visited some people. The people brought it back up even. And then I started thinking about people going to the NFL. Trying, if I want, that's what I want to do, make it to the next level. And Caldwell and Chavis are the best options, defensive coach-wise, to get me, help me accomplish that dream. So, and that's just how I came to the conclusion. So, I mean, essentially, what you're talking about, I know you've got family in Fayetteville and 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 all that, and being an Arkansas native, but it also sounds like this, you know, kind of was a, a little bit of a business decision too. You're pointing to two coaches, Caldwell and Chavis, specifically as guys that you think can get you to that next level. Yes, sir. Okay, well, that's uh, that's interesting. So I also saw you. Um, so I, you mentioned you want to play defensive end at Arkansas, but you you have an interesting combination of positions. You play at Hazel. You're a quarterback yes, and a sir. defensive end, and these two things don't go together too much. Do you plan on <laughs> staying at quarterback during this next high school season? Uh, yes, sir. During high school, I choose to. Will that be a difficult thing to give up? To to give up playing the glamour position and, and going to the to the defensive line, if that's the case? Uh, no, it won't be that difficult. Uh, it gets tiring playing both ways of the ball like that. I mean, I love it, but uh, it's just, I don't know. Quarterbacks over-glamorized. It can be fun, but as ups and downs. Ty, it sounds to me you can see, you can hear in, in, in Blaine's voice. This is a guy who respects a quarterback, but really wants to hit him. Yeah, so Blaine, we had Jake Beckett on our morning show a couple months back, and Tyler Wilson was also with him on the program, and he was talking about how sometimes the quarterback gets more adulation, just more praise, and you're kind of like being a defensive guy, you're a blue-collar guy, which is kind of sounding like what you're saying. Do you have a former defensive player on the Razorback, whether it's whether it's Beckett, whether it's Trey Flowers, just a defensive lineman that you, you've kind of looked up to, you've kind of idolized these last few years? Uh, it was Jake Beckett. I've, I've always liked Jake Beckett. I have a jersey from when I was a kid that he signed still at my house. 
So you've been, uh, by a couple recruiting services, you've been named the best player in this upcoming Arkansas 2020 class of all these of all these guys that are projected to go to college somewhere to play football. Do you think you're, you are the best player in this upcoming recruiting class? Uh, I wouldn't say that. We all have our own things. It's, uh, it's hard to compare different positions. It's just like some are running backs and quarterbacks. I don't really – I mean, I play quarterback, but I'm not a quarterback. Everybody knows that. And uh, I'm just I, – I I'd say I'm the best D-lineman in the state in so, the recruiting class. So since committing, Blaine, have you reached out to whether it's Chandler or whether it's some other guys in this class? Have you guys been kind of talking about this uh, this next journey you guys are about to take at Arkansas? As soon as I committed, they the whole recruiting class put me in a a group chat on Snapchat and text message. Like as soon as I committed. So I thought I read, uh, Lane. No, no, you skipped eighth grade. Are you planning yes, on on uh, on on getting to Arkansas and enrolling early? Yes. Sir. You are, uh, that's being a year and a half ahead of time. You've got the body to already be playing college football. What will the next semester be like for you? Because, uh, you know, you're going to graduate early and, and then focus on getting to Arkansas. So getting a lot going over a short period of time. What do you expect out of the next few months? Uh, well, I'll have all my credits except three. So I've got to take three college classes online. And then I'm done. So. Do you have a plan on what you'd like to major in besides football? Uh, I'm a big coach. I want to major in math. Talking with uh, Blaine Toll Hazen, uh, quarterback and defensive end here on halftime. Blaine, just kind of said Phil's just kind of setting the tone for what you're planning on do, like when you graduate early and do that route. Do you do you plan on signing? Uh, it sounds like you plan on start signing in the early signing period. Is that kind of what you're gearing up towards? Yes. Sir. And I know it's been a whirlwind as of late, but do you do you have an idea of what you want to do for that? Do just doing the Hazen Gym or in any way, shape, or form that you're going to go about that? Yeah, I probably just do it in the Hazen Gym. So outside of just playing up at Arkansas, what are you most looking forward to being up there on the hill? Uh, getting to spend more time with my niece. Yeah, you've got that's a is it your brother that's up there? Police a uh, police officer, correct? Yes, sir, my real brother. Yes, sir. How, how much did the did that factor into decision to to play there? Because not everybody that's got family in the area wants to always be around them. You must be pretty close with your brother. Uh, well, it's just I didn't really get to grow up with my brother, so it's kind of I wanted to be closer to him later on. What's the age difference between you and he? Uh, he's about thirty. All right, so I mean. <laughs> You're going to have somebody looking over your shoulder, too. I mean, a 30-year-old policeman has a brother that'll be there while you're on college campus. You, that'll, that'll be an interesting yeah. mix, don't you think? Uh, I'd be all right. I, I don't mean it in a bad way. It's just, it's just it, that's that definitely one thing. It, it sounds like you've got a good head on your shoulder, so you can keep yourself on track. But Big Brother's there just to make sure, right? Yes, yeah, sir. That's very good. Well, hey, I really appreciate you coming on. And I know it's, what, what do you got going on? for the rest of the summer before you got to get back to school uh football practice and work so it sounds like a hard sounds like a pretty good summer you know and when you yeah. and by this time uh, next year uh you'll be ready to compete for a starting position on that arkansas defensive line what do you think about that yes sir, for sure
Blaine, before we let you go, do you have just a message out there for Razorback fans? I know you got a couple months before you get up there to Fayetteville if you're going to sign early, but do you have just a message, just kind of something you want to present to Razorback fans, what you think you're going to bring up to Fayetteville? Oh, uh, well, I'll just tell them believe in Coach Morris. Uh, I feel like he knows what he's doing. Uh, just We can't turn around overnight, but I feel like we'll turn this program around. And I mean, last time somebody from Hazen played at Arkansas, they won a national championship. So. How about that, Phil? That's well said. Who was it? I'm uh, I'm blanking. Buddy Sims. Okay. So he knows his 1964 Arkansas. 1964 team. Knows his, his Arkansas football history, too, Blaine. I think that's going to score with some fans as well. That's well done. Well, thanks so yes. much for joining us today and talking about your commitment to the University of Arkansas, Blaine. Best uh, best luck during the summer and during the football season. And uh, we and everybody else that's listening will be paying attention. Thank you. Jeff's Clubhouse has the best brunch in town every Saturday from 10 a.m. to 2 p.m., bottomless mimosas, an endless buffet, and so much more. 2801 Old Greenwood Road in Fort Smith. More Halftime Pod coming at you. Kevin, always good talking basketball with you. How's it going today? Oh, it's going great, guys. Busy as usual. and uh, But a sunny Monday, if basketball news is going to break every day, uh, the, the sun's always out for me anyway because I, lo- I love the hoops. Well, lots of, uh, lots of professional uh, news breaking, of course, over the last uh, 16 hours or so. We'll talk about the stuff that hits a little closer to home at Arkansas. And, of course, uh, I saw the photo of Moses Moody and his first unofficial visit uh, since Eric Musselman became the head coach. Uh, this is somebody that uh, looks like could be a one-and-done with 20 offers. Realistically, what what do you think the chances of landing Moses Moody at Arkansas would be? Man, that's that's almost impossible to say. I mean, that's the only school he's taken an official visit to. He did that in October with the previous staff. And, and the way it works now is you get five uh, visits during your junior year and you get another five official visits in your senior year. That was new last year. His class, 2020, was the first to get to go through that junior year. So he's still got five more to take in terms of official visits. Uh, but, but the way it works right now is uh, yesterday, Sunday, was the last day you could take unofficial visits until August. Uh, there's five days this week of official visits that can take place through the 5th, and then it's a dead period after that. So Arkansas – had a very busy week last week. Not only Moses Moody, but some other in-state kids. We've seen the grad transfer and transfer work that Musselman's done. He's got a couple of more transfers coming in for official visits today and tomorrow. But to really get in the in-state 2020 kids, uh, 2021, they made an offer to a 2022 in-state kid over the weekend. And then Bryce Thompson, the five-star 2020 out of out of Booker T. Washington, also took an unofficial visit last week. We're starting to see now how he's trying to cast a wide net Get guys on campus. That's the next step. You can make all the offers in the world. If you can't get guys interested enough to come visit you, uh, you're kind of stuck there. So to circle back around to what you asked me, if you can get Moses Moody on campus like they did for this unofficial visit, get to meet the staff, let them share their vision with him, now you've got a building block to say, look, we want to be on your radar to get one of those five official visits for your you know, upcoming for your senior year, a lot of visits. And that's when, if you can do that, I think they're going to have a good shot of, of, of landing him. Now, it depends on what other schools get involved. You know, I know Duke's been interested. And once the Blue Bloods start circling, uh, the, you know, it, it's it's tough. And it doesn't matter where the kid's from. 
Um, and of course, he plays out of state at Montverde Academy in Florida. But a big time top ESPN top twenty five five star had him on campus yesterday, really to wrap up a big week of unofficial visitors last week. Well, and then of course there's the news uh, coming out about uh, an Arkansas native out of Jacksonville, Tyree Appleby, who's uh, entered the transfer portal, one of the top scorers in the Horizon League, playing for Jet for uh, Cleveland State. And also, I don't know if I'm saying this young man's name correctly. I feel Horton, six foot three. Guard out of Delaware, a freshman who's looking to transfer as well. So these are the two visits you're talking about. Yeah, these are the guys. And Horton's Horton's uh, arrived midday today. His official visit will carry through tomorrow. And then uh, just got off the phone again with Appleby. He just talked to Eric Musman and was really excited. You know, he said Musman told him how much they like his game and they really want him and they think that he can help them win. You know, both of these guys would sit out a year. Horton was a freshman last year. Uh, made the all-freshman team. Well, that all scores in, in the Colonial Athletic Association Conference. Uh, freshman scores at over 13 points a game shot, almost 41% from three. Uh, so here's a guy that will have a year to sit out and then three to play. And then Appleby, who I just talked about, uh, he'll be up. He'll get to Fayetteville tomorrow. They'll, they'll get there about midday, and his visit will end on Wednesday. But, yeah, over 17 points, 5.6 assists, 1.4 steals, all three of those me- uh, numbers – those stats were in the top five in the Horizon League as he made second team last year as a sophomore. So we'll have one to sit and two to play wherever he lands. But I think it's interesting, so much talk about Arkansas needing a big, and Kerry Blackshear was out there, it seemed like, for an eternity. Uh, but really, when I start looking at this roster and some of the moves and some of the things that have happened, and the way that Mussman, everybody wants to talk about these grad transfers. He only had two in four years at Nevada. He's got two so far in this class. But he really likes guys that are traditional transfers, sit out, get stronger, learn his system, guys he can work with and mold that already have some experience uh, so that they come in ready. So what he's doing right now makes sense to me. Some fans are probably scratching their head going, what about big guys? Well, it's that time of year where the big guys have been are pretty much off the board, the, the quality ones. I know Arkansas this weekend was at a JUCO camp, looking at some JUCO bigs. Uh, but, but these two guards, to me, make sense if they can get them, if they can get them. Talking with Kevin McPherson, Patreon Nation, Hogville, other various sites here on Halftime. Kevin, you wrote an in-depth story on Khalil Garland. How painful for him do you think his journey has been, going from like a top 50 guy to not being able to be in a play and be a Razorback at Arkansas? Well, he's human, okay? And, 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 the, and he was such a gamer. And you hear that thrown around so much, but it's really a guy that that – had a high basketball IQ, IQ. He competed every night to win. Some guys play to play. He played to win. Stats didn't matter to him. He made guys around him better. Uh, I, I, I don't know how many people I've told this. He was he had an NBA transition type of game. He, some guys just either have to dunk, but if you give them any kind of a, a, a contested uh, anything contested around the basket, they have a hard time finishing. Could finish with either hand. Had sprinter speed. It's got to hurt Khalil Garland with the talents that he had. Uh, and he saw himself as being able to take that step in college to help transition to the NBA. Uh, it's got to be a painful process for him to sit out for two years, continue to be tested, and, and can't get cleared. At the same time, if you ever looked on the sideline, if you ever paid attention, he was always cheering on his teammates. He was always in the huddles. Uh, he was always at practice. He goes to the community service stuff. He's a part of this team. He will remain part of this team. And I think he's taken a, a, a positive approach. That's what I sensed when I got when I interviewed him. And he said, man, I, that this situation taught him that he's not just about basketball and he'll be fine. And I believe that. Here's a, here's a young man that's got – I mean, he's got runway model good looks. He, this guy 
is charming. He's on social media all the time, interacting about a lot of stuff. Uh, and, and he wants to either get into coaching or maybe broadcast journalism. But I think Khalil Garland will do whatever he wants to do. A great young man uh, that, yes, went through some pain, but I think he's going to make the, the best of it. Have a couple good days for a couple pro Razorbacks. Bobby Portis signing with the Knicks. You have Patrick Beverly re-upping with the Clippers. How do you see Portis meshing with the likes of Kevin Knox, R.J. Barrett, and the New York Knicks organization? No, I think he'll match. They need guys that can space the floor and stretch things that can shoot. And if you look at Portis's numbers, he's a guy that really in his first three years sort of bumped along a little bit, uh, up and down, really inconsistent. That's not unusual for young players in the NBA. But if you look at his numbers last year, his fourth year, which was his his contract year, he really shot the ball better from the three-point line. He jumped up uh, several uh, percentage points when he was at Chicago, and then when he transferred to Washington or was traded to Washington, uh, th- those numbers got even better. So he finished the season nearly forty percent from the from behind that three point line, and it, and it was over four, just over forty when he was with Washington. Uh, you know, career highs in scoring, and uh, you look at his rebounds, eight point six. I mean, that's a career high. So a guy that continued to prove himself uh, to get to this next contract, and I think he got a good contract. The Knicks have been a mess, but we'll see what happens with with Bobby Portis helping that team. I think, uh, you know, stretch defenses because he can knock down shots from that forward spot. He can also double as a center because he's a he's a quality rebounder. So I think a versatile guy that has proven that he's going to be a long term player in the NBA. Kevin, good stuff as always. Appreciate you. We'll talk again soon. Good to be with you guys. Thank you. You're listening to the Halftime Podcast, presented by Jeff's Clubhouse. Check out the Bud Light Morning Rush podcast at hitthatline.com.